obviously when you have your first and you go out anywhere, you've got like a bag with like a week's worth of clothing and <laughs> a week's worth of bottles of food. See, when the second one comes in, you have like a nappy in your pocket and a packet of wipes <laughs> and that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all you take with you, the second one. Yes. So we'll go now go down, down the tunnel and on. No, we won't. We've already no, done that. <laughs> For the three times. <laughs> I've been quite shady. I didn't mean to be shady. Guys that I was mates with. Oh, shit. And the stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Hi everyone and welcome to the next episode of the iReady podcast. As ever, I'm your host Derek and with me is my co-host Dave. How are you doing Dave? Derek, I'm very well mate. A wee bit frustrated, you know, we we spoke last week about the the difference a week has made. Well, another difference this week's made, hasn't it? It's been, it's it's went from glory to frustration, shall we say, but we'll get get into that in a wee while. Yes, the ups and downs of supporting Rangers as ever. Certainly, we're not going to be all doom and gloom like it's been on Twitter, because as usual on Twitter, we're so level-headed on Twitter, Rangers Twitter, isn't we? So... As, don't, don't get me wrong, Derek. As it was happening, and as, as, as soon as a couple of the results happened, I, I was in the same frame of mind, but very, very briefly. And now I've got my, my sensible head back on. Oh, Dave, the league's over. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a couple of results that were not the greatest. Certainly, we're still in one bad result of the weekend and a great result to start off with. So, why don't we just go down the tunnel and onto the pitch? <laughs> So the first game we've got to cover was Saturday the 13th of August. It was a 4-0 win at home against St Johnson in the Premiership. Now we lined up with four changes from the Union SG game. We lined up McLaughlin, Tavernier, Goldson, Davies, Barisic, Jack, Lundstrom, Tillman, Wright, Matondo and Cholak. On the subs bench we have McGregor, Ridvan, Arfield, Lawrence, Davis, Kamara, Morelos, Sakala and King. So it was a good first half from the team, again dominating proceedings with St Johnson sitting back, all the players behind the ball, hoping to hit us on the break. We had patient build-up, probing and varying our play, pretty much one-way traffic without bothering their keeper too much, which is again a theme this season it seems, unfortunately. I've seen a stat from just before half-time where I had 118 passes in the final third to St Johnson's 18, so completely bossing the game, especially in the final third. I don't think anyone felt panicked at this stage, though, because I think for a change, a goal felt like it was coming. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the one thing I'll say about the team under Geo Derek. I do always have this confidence, you know, if we are getting a lot of the play and we're fortunate that we will eventually make the breakthrough. And this was was certainly a game, just like you said, I certainly wasn't panicking. I I could feel that the goal was going to come at some point. However, there was an early call on the third minute for a penalty. Cholak goes down in the box. It was a half shout for a penalty anyway. Referee looking right at it and appears to be the correct decision, unfortunately. 
St. Johnson's best chance of the half came on the 17th minute where it was a long high ball into our box. Barisic doesn't jump with it, hits off him. Davies caught underneath it. The attacker gets the break of the ball and shoots it just wide as he was falling. Had it been on target, I think then it would have been in because it was absolutely calamitous defending there. It was, and again, it's, it's a bit of a common theme that we're going to speak, speak about, Derek, is it's our own doing that teams are getting these chances, isn't it? It's just a sort of unable to clear the ball first time, and it's, it seems to be bouncing about and players get, getting in each other's road and certain players not d- doing their job. But unfortunately, it's a bit of a common theme over the next few games. Yes, which we'll get into shortly, unfortunately. However, our best chance of the half till that point was on the 31st minute. It was good, patient build-up play, taking the ball from the right into the middle for Lundstrom, who hits a 20-yard shot, which was bending in, but the keeper had a good good save out for the corner. We didn't need to wait too much longer, though, because on the 32nd minute, Tillman made it 1-0. It was a corner in from the left, nodded away to the far edge of the box, right picks it up, squares it to Tavernier, who floats in a great ball to the back left of the post, and Tillman leaps up, he kept on leaping like a salmon and into the back of it. He done it again. Brilliant. It was a fantastic goal, Derek. The guy's uh, ability in the air for him being, you know, a winger and a playmaker is fantastic and another fantastic header. It, it wasn't even, you know, a powerful header, Derek. It was more the accuracy that he put on, especially when being that high in the air. It was just fantastic technique and a, a great goal for him. Yep, absolutely. So, really, that's how the, the first half ended up. Tillman was playing well, Wright was trying. Really, we needed more of the same in the second half, get the early second goal, and it would ultimately kill it off. Everson Johnson did start off the, the second half probably slightly better. They had a chance in the 50th minute, down the right, skips past Matondo, squares the ball. The St. Johnson attacker switches feet rather than shooting, which allows Davies to get in front of it and deflect the shot off him, which took the sting out of it. So dangerous in the first, first wee bit there. Yep. Then we started to take control again. Matondo had a great chance in the 51st minute just after that. He was on the left, gets to the edge of the box, switches to his right foot and hits a shot, which cannons off the bar. Really unlucky that there. Yep. 56 minute Barisic with a free kick from 20 yards on the left side, up and over the wall, just over the bar unfortunately. However, we made it 2-0 on the 62nd minute with Cholak scoring. Tillman plays a ball into the box, going forward for the on-running Matondo, who was coming in from the left. He slides in to pass it to Cholak who receives the ball, turns and hits it into the back of net. All in all it was a great move, great piece of skill. However, unfortunately it was offside, but nobody called for it Absolutely nobody seen it. There was no St. Johnson claiming for it, and the goal stood. Excellent, Derek. I was, <laughs> as you say, the whole the whole move was excellent, and I've I've, I've got to say, it's Jolak, it was uh, it was a fantastic finish, as you say, back to goal turned, you know, he knew exactly where he was going to put it and, you know, real sort of striker's instinct and popped the ball away. It, it was a, a, a great goal for him. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it happened all in such quick quick timing as well and it was a sideways pass which, if you look up the rules, it doesn't matter which direction the ball is. If the player who's receiving the ball is in an offside position to begin with, then it's ruled offside. I mean, he did slide in, so I don't know if it was maybe a case of the, the referee was unsighted and he maybe thought it came off the St. Johnson defender or not. No St. Johnson player claimed for it, so that's what yep. tells me that it was, you know, nobody thought it was offside in the first place. So one of these marginal calls, which probably would have been picked up by VAR, but yep. that certainly makes up for his clear goal against Livingston in the first game of the season. <laughs> exactly, yep. 
So on the 66th minute, right Tillman and Cholak off, Arfield, Lawrence and Morelos on. We had a shot just wide in the 77th minute. Just after that shot, Davies and Lundstrom came off, King and Kamara came on. And that super sub, Scott Arfield, on the 80th minute, made it 3-0. It was a lovely pass from Jack in the centre to Matondo on the left, gets into the box, gets to the touchline. He looks up, passes to Arfield, unmarked in the middle, who shoots it past a few defenders and into the back of net. Just a good, incisive goal. It certainly was, and Arfield again, Derek, you know, with these late late runs and j- just behind the striker, it must be fantastic for an attacker or a winger or, you know, the likes of Tav getting in there, because you know when Arfield's there, he's going to be sniffing about the goal, and that's exactly what happened there. Excellent pass in and a straightforward finish for him, and really sealing the three points 100% with that goal, excellent timing as well. Yep, absolutely. And to round the game off, three minutes later, Lawrence made it 4-0. Tavernier to Lawrence, to Morelos on the edge of the box. The ball then fed back to Tavernier, who made a run towards the touchline on the right. Tavernier fends off the defender, a short pass to Arfield, who controls it. He fends off the same defender. It was a cross off the deck, into the middle, and Lawrence with a volley into the back of the net. What an outstanding goal all round. Incisive. The skill levels were outstanding, and what a volley as well. Fantastic. He's done it a few times, Derek, but, uh, you know, the guy loves to shoot. He's he's no shy, you know, shooting, and that was just a fantastic goal. You know, he, he was really unlucky in the, the game before that, remember, where he sort of half volley that, that cannoned off the bar. So, I mean, he's another one that's always going to be in, in and around the, the ed, edge of the box just to try and get a pop, and that was just a fantastic goal. Great technique by him, and it just, you know, hit, hit the, the, the back of the net. Absolutely fantastic. Yep, so brilliant run all round, delighted with that, so uh, no really much more to say. No, excellent Derek, I think we were needing that at, at that point as well, and as, as I say from you know the, the, the games before that, you know, we'd beat Union St. Gilles 3-0 and then that was 4-0, so two fantastic results on the bounce there, so confidence sky high at that point. Yeah, goals coming from all, all areas yep. of the pitch as well. Yep. So that lined us up nicely for the next game, a big important game. It was on Tuesday the 16th of August. It was a two-each draw at home against PSV in the Champions League qualifier playoff leg one. Dave, you meant to that game, didn't you? Yeah, it was excellent, Derek. I've got to thank our uh, friend of the pod and really the sort of part-time mem- member of the pod, Craig McCrimmon, who managed to set me and my laddie up with tickets for that one. But no, lucky to be there, Derek, and it was a bit of a strange game, which I'm about about to get into, but a very, very difficult game on paper for us, Derek, but one that I felt that we could go out and get the victory because, you know, we've played, I'll not say bigger and better teams. They've certainly played teams to their standard and teams of a higher standard than beat them. In recent years, I broke, so I you know I was feeling quite confident before the game started. It was always going to be a difficult game. The stakes make it even bigger for the fact yes. that everybody's going to be up for it. And obviously, we've experienced this against Parma before, where two big teams coming up against each other. PSV, no slouches, as we found out as well. They were all, it was always going to be difficult. Yeah, definitely. Well, Rangers, the the, the team that Giovanni Van Bronckers put out for this game is uh, McLaughlin and goals. Tav at right back, Goldson and James Sands in the centre of defence with goals. Which was the one that everyone was looking at before the game? Uh, you know, Davies wasn't even on the you, you know in the squad for that one. Barisic at left back, Steve Davis in the middle of the park, along with John Lundstrom, Tillman, Lawrence, Kent, and Cholak made up the rest 
of the Rangers team and that, that was another one there was a lot of people saying that there might be a chance Alfredo would play in that one but no he's went for Cholak he's, he's been scoring the goals Derek he's stuck by him so that was the starting 11 on the bench for Rangers with McGregor McCrory Yilmaz King Devine Jack Kamara Arfield Matondo Morelos Wright and Sakala so a strong bench Derek if you look at all there the players that we've got you know the vast majority of them are all first team players that have got on a, a couple of young boys but a strong bench so so the game started off Derek and within two minutes we saw the threat that PSV were going to pose and we got off with one majorly a very early chance like I said there was a cross in from the right hand side of the box completely missed by Tavin Goldson. I don't know what the two of them were doing. And there was De Jong, the striker, picks the ball up and shoots over for about six yards. Derek, you know, and a player of his standard, you were expecting the net to bulge at that point. But, you know, another mix-up by, you know, both Tav and Goldson there. I think the two of them kind of left it for each other. None of the two of them, you know, claimed it. And uh, we got off lightly very early on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said in the post-match, it kind of had shades of the Defoe goal against Livingston that he scored that absolute amazing one with the long ball over the top. Just had they been on target, then it was in, I think. But yeah. fortunately, we, as you said, we got off with one. Yep. So for there on, I thought the Rangers were a wee bit cagey, certainly for the next sort of 20 minutes. PSV sort of trying to sniff Rangers out. But I think, you know, we went quite defensive in that stage just for that early fright. And the first real chance, for Rangers was on the 22nd minute and it was Davis, he wins the ball, he plays it high upfield to the edge of the box uh, it gets squared over to Tillman who hits a low shot uh, but unfortunately straight at the goalkeeper so first real chance for Rangers there uh, on the 27th minute, great play from Barisic up to Tillman on the left wing, a 1-2 with Cholak on the edge of the box, he beats his man and I was expecting him just to fire the shot in Derek, but he tried to take another shot. There was a, a split second where he could have fired and, and, and had a shot on target. Don't quite know what, what he was thinking and took the extra shot, but certainly making room for himself in the box and taking the pressure off the, the, the midfield and giving the PSV defender something to think about there. But then, unfortunately, on the 36th minute, Derek PSV took the lead and it was another defensive blunder, in my opinion. It was a corner in from the left-hand side and it sort of ricocheted off of James Tavernier. It hits Connor Goldson, then it hits Tav's leg again and it just lands perfectly for the, the PSV player just outside the six-yard box, just to, to pick his spot and fire it in. Just really, really poor, calamitous defending again by Goldson and Tavernier. I realised there was other, other players in there, but again, I felt that it, it could have been cleared in the first instance, and it was like, you know, you know it was like uh, ping-pong in, in the middle of the box there, Derek, just really sloppy. I just don't know what Goldson was doing, and... Uh... He jumped up and headed the ball down. I mean, you do that in the opposition's box to try and get a, a chance. But he's kind of headed the ball down. And it's unfortunately a hit off the legs of somebody. And then they've got the break of the ball and it's fallen to the, the guy just outside the, the box, I think it was. But had he just headed that away, that doesn't happen. I just don't know what he was playing at. I really don't. It was, it was a strange one. As you say, he headed it down. It hit off Tav's leg, who didn't he sort of 
make himself big when they, when it's shot. Neither of them did, Derek. This, this is the, the worrying thing, and, and we'll get into this in the next game as well, with, with Connor Goldson. You know, I, I do like Goldson, Derek, but it's this whole... I don't know. He's, it's sometimes it just doesn't look as if, if if he's prepared to throw his whole body behind the ball. You know when there's a shot, but it was it was calamitous defending. Derek really poor. You can't give teams like that a chance like that at all inside the box. We got away with it in the setting minute, but we weren't we weren't going to get away with it in that time. And unfortunately, PSV scored, and we were looking for a reaction quickly after that. And thankfully. We only had to wait four minutes when Rangers scored the equaliser and what a fantastic goal it was. It was a lovely move starting with James Tavernier up to Tom Lawrence, back to Tav, over to Davis, but then Tav continued his run and he timed it perfectly, stayed on side. And Steve Davis, what a through ball, absolutely fantastic through ball to the byline. Tav kept running. He cuts the ball back, and there was Cholak with a fantastic finish. Take my hat off, off to the man. Right place at the right time, and a tremendous finish low into the bottom corner, and Ibrox erupted. Fantastic goal, Derek. Just exquisite. Absolutely exquisite goal. We've come to see that from the team over the past four years in Europe, and that was an absolute trademark from us there. Why can't we do that all the time? Exactly. I had the conversation with Big Craig in the game and I did say because you know that Craig is Tav's number one fan and I had <laughs> felt up, up to that point that Tav in an attacking sense had been pretty anonymous and I says to him no long after that, Tav's got to get forward, we've got to get him involved in the play and when he does come away with something like that, Derek, he's, he, you know, there's there's very few people can defend that because you know you, you don't expect that from a fullback and it was just excellent. He's, he's running off the ball, the ball back, he knew exactly where Ch- Cholak was. I mean, that is the type of play that we want to see James T- Tavenier do. Fantastic and a great goal. So that was the 40th minute. So we still were going for it because the crowd was lifted and then really unlucky just before half time. Borna Barisic on the left hand side, he had a fantastic cross into the back and it was actually Tav again. He was up headed the ball. I think if it had just, just have been, you know, one foot either side of the goalkeeper, it was going to be in. It was great technique by Tav. He rose up well, headed it, but unfortunately it bounced straight in front of the goalkeeper and he managed to get his hands to it. But the uh, half-time blown after that, Derek. So after a pretty shaky start and a poor goal, certainly uh, a great finish to the first half. And, uh, you know, the, the, the supporters and the team certainly looked up for it as they went in at half-time, so much happier with the way it ended. Yeah, I mean, delighted with the first half, to be honest. I think the the game did ebb and flow, both teams having periods of possession. we completely proven we were capable, more than capable at this level. We matched them. As you said, they had the, maybe the first 15, 20 minutes. We then taken over for a bit. They taken back over. And then we finished the, the half the stronger. But, you know, we went toe-to-toe with them and we more than proved their worth. Yep. Into the second half, Derek, and Rangers really on the front foot and really, really unlucky not to take the lead on the 52nd minute. James Sands, who I actually thought had a really good game, Derek, I'll talk about him at the end, he pulled out an absolutely sensational long ball 
uh, from defence up to the right wing, straight to the you, you know to James Tavernier to run on. Tav saw Cholak early on and played a fantastic through ball to him. It was a tight angle, Derek, but he managed to get shot away and a great save by the goalkeeper. Really un- unlucky there. Fantastic move, and you know that could could have been two one right at the start of the second half. Un- unlucky for him. Yep, absolutely. Then on the 58th minute is when PSV were starting to come back into it and their their danger man was Sebari. He picked up a long, hopeful ball, nodded on by the attacker and Sebari kept running. He went through, McLaughlin slid out, Sabari got his foot to it, stabbed the ball and it was just about an inch past the right-hand post. So, you know, heart and mouth stuff there, Derek, and lucky that we got away with that. But again, a simple ball right up the middle. I don't know who was on. It seemed to be the two two defenders on the one attacker and Sabari was able to run through. So quite worrying at that stage. And again, we got off with that one. It was just the acres of space that were giving them. Poor. Yep. But then on the 67th minute, Lawrence plays a great ball to Tillman who picks it up on the halfway line. He runs, skips past two defenders, gets to the edge of the box, hits a low shot, unfortunately again, straight at the goalkeeper. Really unlucky there. Great play by both Lawrence and Tillman at that stage because we were getting pinned back a bit, but it was great to see that we were able to get past. Then on the 69th minute, PSV, quite strange for them. They were playing the ball about at the back, playing it about back and forward between the defenders, back back to the keeper. And I just had a feeling, I thought, you know, go and just put some pressure on and Tillman actually steals the ball just in front of the halfway line. He runs at at the defence. He's just about to take a shot. He gets scythed down sort of halfway between the halfway line and the edge of the box. So it's a free kick to Rangers, miles and miles out. We thought to ourselves at that point, there's nobody's going to, surely going to try and hit, hit this and score. But on the 70th minute, Derek, Lawrence steps up and it's a Ronaldo-esque, I'm not going to say it was a Ronaldo-esque free kick, but he, he hits up and he hits the ball straight you can see what he was trying to do, Derek. He was trying to hit the ball straight, but get it to go up and dip down. And t- t- to be fair, he managed to do it to, to a certain extent, but the ball just bounced right in front of the goalkeeper. He made a complete hash of the ball, and the ball must have spun, and it just trundled over the line, and Rangers had suddenly taken the lead. out of Absolutely nothing. Just sheer bedlam at that stage. We didn't see it coming, but we'll take it. Goalkeeper's mistake, but it puts us 2-1 up and we're in a very strong position, so absolutely fantastic for us. I mean, if you don't shoot, you don't score. And I think that was just a combination of the power, the slick surface because of all the rain that was there and just the bounce it taken, a bad combination, a howler from the keeper, absolutely. Fortune on our part, but I don't really care. That's how how you win the games. And here was the point in the game, Derek, where I think it turned. I don't know what you'll make of this, but the substitutes were made on the 71st minute. And at that point, I think we were all crying out for Alfredo Morelos to come on. But again, to be fair to Big Craig, he called it when he was sitting next to me. He says, I think he'll go tactical here. I think he'll bring on right and he'll bring on a holding midfielder like Kamara. And that's exactly what he did. He took off Tillman, he took off Davis. And he brought on Wright and Kamara. And I don't think it done us many favours because after that happened, 
PSV really up to play and had a lot more possession. So I don't know if that has changed the dynamic of the game or not because on the 78th minute, PSV get the equalising goal and it was again a really easy goal for him. Corner in from the right-hand side, the PSV player, he just rose above everyone. It was a good header. But to me, Derek, it looked as if there was hardly any pressure on, on him again. Really poor defending by us. Golton just doesn't even really jump. And once the player hit the header off the underside of the bar, it was always going in, no chance to stop it. But it should have been stopped in the first place by Goldson defending. Another it, set piece as well. It's pathetic. I just don't get it for you know a team you know as well known in the European pedigree that they have to to be able to give their players so, so much time, not even put in a half challenge. It's, it's it's just poor, just really really poor. So that was you know twelve minutes still to go, and then PSV really should have wrapped up because the eighty fifth minute, a fantastic through ball saw Sabari again one on one with McLaughlin and I think if Sabari had went for the shot he would probably have scored but he didn't he tried to take it round McLaughlin but an absolutely phenomenal save McLaughlin came out threw himself for the ball overstretched and just made himself absolutely huge when Sabari went through and managed to get the ball cleared away so that was a huge huge let off for us after that, Derek, the game sort of fizzled out. It ended up 2-2. I think PSV were happy with the 2-2 draw. I think at that stage, I think, you know, with PSV coming back into the game in the second half, I don't know whether we had settled for it. But just quite frustrating, Derek. There were some times where we had some absolutely fantastic play. The goal was tremendous, but just really poor defending. And defending, I think, that, you know, is easily rectified if you just put some sort of challenge in there. I don't know what you think. We've, we've highlighted Goldson, Derek, but uh, I think, you know, it's, it just it, it seems to be on that that whole side that we're defending. Now, I was wanting to speak about James Sands, Derek, because I actually thought he had quite a good game. Sands, I, I don't think there was ever at one stage that it was, you know, he, he was at fault for any, any of the goals. And certainly, he looks a very intelligent player. He's not your big win-of-every-ball-in-the-air type player, you know, big, strong guy, but he seems to read the game very, very well. And I think if Goldson was actually more, his concentration levels, had, had they been up and he'd have been more up for it, I think the two of them could be quite a successful partnership, but it wasn't to be, and just, just frustrating. And like I said, I think just easy defending if you just even go and put a challenge in there. Our defence was our downfall last year. Well, there's two big downfalls, really. Our defence, we're losing too many cheap goals like that and also the, the attack, we weren't scoring enough. However, so we're looking at this season, we need a new defence, basically. Goldson was looking as if he was going a last-minute change of mind, it looks like, and he stayed. Everybody delighted with that. And to, be, to an extent, I was not over the moon like some people were, but I was fairly happy. But Barisic still there. Tavernier still there. Tavernier was never going to go. He his place is cemented until he retires. It looks like that's fair enough. But what have we changed? We've changed one position in the back line, and what's happening? We're still conceding yep. the same stupid goals. Now we brought in Suter. Now he's away off, off injured as well again, which well it's another story altogether. He had a howler for his debut. That can happen. He's never yep. been had the chance because he's been injured to get back in. Yep. Sands has been the one constant good thing, but the mistakes are happening from the other three yeah. mainstays of the team at the back. So, 
where does that get us? That is the big problem just now. Here's another question, Derek. We have spent, well, reportedly three to four million pounds on Yilmaz at left back. And we've only seen flashes of him. He's been on the bench, so he's obviously fit. I don't quite get that. We also, we've got Davies in there as well. Flashes, him coming in, I don't know if he was injured for that game or not, but it's very strange. Look at the defenders we've got. We've got Helander always injured. We've got Suter. I'm hoping isn't going to be like that either, totally injured. So it is quite concerning, Derek, it is, especially in these big, big games. But I think that, that Goldson could, could tell, help himself out just by putting in even a half challenge with a lot, a lot of these things. But it just sometimes looks as if he can't be arsed. We've talked about this before yep. at, at length, so I don't know. But we'll get into it anyway in the next game as well. Yep. But anyway, the PSV game rounding it off, I felt that we were more than matched them. I think we didn't disgrace ourselves. We were disappointing in the second half. The heartland thing is that we scored from a great piece of play from open play. We were fortunate for our second goal. They scored from two pieces of defensive blunders, yes. basically. We that, So that's the heartland thing in it. We cut out our defensive blunders. We have more than enough to beat them. Ultimately, no away goals. The next leg on Wednesday night, it means it's a, a 90-minute shootout or a 120-minute shootout or a shootout shootout. So we'll just need to wait and see how that goes. Obviously, the advantage is for PSV, given they, they are at home. However, because of the no away goals, it's just a straight shootout, effectively. I would like to think our away form doesn't come into it in that, in that respect, because away have not been always that great. So we just treat it like a cup final yeah. and... Hopefully we, we see... What, not not the Europa League Cup final, mind you, maybe the, maybe the Scottish <laughs> Cup final. I'm still, I'm still, <laughs> still kind of good at it. So, we'll move on now and we'll go to the probably bigger disappointment oh, oh, of the, the games we've got to cover, which was Saturday the 20th of August. It was a two-each draw away against Hibs in the Premiership. So, we had made two changes from the PSV game. We lined up McLaughlin, Tavernier, Goldson, Sands, Barisic, Jack, Lundstrom, Lawrence, Matondo, Ken and Cholak. On the subs bench were McGregor, Ridvan, King, Davis, Arfield, Tillman, Morelos, Wright and Sakala. So Morelos not only on the bench again and no sign of Davies again. I think he had picked up another wee knock. So, However, in the first half, really a scrappy first half, no rhythm to the game. For either team, no keeper had anything to do. Hibs chasing everything in and out of possession and they looked the more up for it team, whereas we were content to sit with the ball and work the ball out from the back. The more frustrating thing about our play though is that on the occasion we did get up front and get forward, we were taking one too many touches, we were reluctant to shoot. Kent especially had about two or three chances where he'd done all the hard work, he'd shown all the flair and skill by beating players and then he just didn't pass or didn't shoot and he lost the ball. Yeah. It was he, I said in the post-match, he's an empty shot when he does that and he 100% is. Nobody will tell me any different because what's the point of doing all the flash stuff, beating players, if there's no out ball from that win there? The last five minutes of the first half, however, we did start the upper game with some more intent play and on the 44th minute, we're knocking the ball about well, looking for some space, still reluctant to shoot. We lost the ball, Portius tried to pass it back to his keeper, Bashiri grabbed Cholak in the box and, and Cholak went down. Fair play to Willie Collum, but it's the only time we'll say this this game. Because <laughs> he did blow the whistle. 
I think everybody thought we knew it was Willie Collum. He was going to give a booking for Cholak because it was unsure what he'd actually done. He never pointed or anything like that. And then he eventually gave Bushiri a yellow card and we got the penalty. So it was a 100% correct decision for the penalty. It could have been a red card as it was debatable if Bashiri was making a genuine attempt for the ball. I think the common consensus though is that Cholak wasn't going to get the ball so it wasn't a clear goal scoring opportunity. But you don't know that, do you? That's the thing. Exactly, and you're talking about it wasn't a clear goal-scoring opportunity, Derek. It was basically the ball, Cholak and the Hibs keeper. So why was it not a clear goal-scoring opportunity? You know, who's who's to know that that Cholak couldn't have got a toe to that and prodded the ball home? So I would be uh, in in the favour of, yeah, well, you know, there was a chance that he could have scored there, but I know what the rules are. It's a clear goal-scoring opportunity, and that's probably why, why it went. But definitely a penalty, though, Derek, and the Hibs defender, a moment of madness for him, you know, just sort of tugging him back, but... Clear penalty and a great chance for us. So we'll save talking about the referee for till the end of the match. But up steps Tavernier anyway, smashes it to the right and into the back of net to make it 1-0. So delighted about that there. Yep. However, we need to play a hell of a lot better in the second half. Shoot, we may even get a sniff of it. And I didn't think Hibs would be able to keep the tempo up in the second half. However, the second half, a very poor performance. Ultimately, mitigating circumstances in the end, Hibs came out of the traps and shown early that they weren't going to take anything lying down. They duly did, as on the 50th minute, they equalised. We gave the ball away in midfield, played down the left. Tavernier didn't track his man who was on the ball. The cross came in on the deck and Boyle managed to get between two defenders and slid it into the back of the net. In that play, there was a hint of offside as well, which, you know, it's debatable. I think it maybe was just offside, but, you know, that's one of these things. I'm more concerned about the fact that our two defenders never properly tracked the man and allowed the, the guy to get in between them. It was poor defending, Derek. P- poor defending, you know, one player getting between two defenders and neither one of them been able to get to the ball first and the attacker does really poor defending in my book again. Yep. And what I, I highlighted it on Twitter as well is that Barisic actually thought it was offside when he was running back. He looked over to the far side linesman, realised there was no flag, and then you seen an instant speed burst. What happened to <laughs> Rule 101, play to the whistle? Yeah. Had he just done that instant speed burst there, I'm pretty sure he would have got the ball first. That wouldn't have been a goal. Poor from Barisic. Yep. yep, definitely. However, we didn't need to wait too much longer because in the 58th minute, Lawrence made it 2-1. Kent had the ball on the left. He holds it up for the overlapping Barisic. He'd taken the ball. He ran a wee bit towards the touchline. An absolute stunning fast-paced cross right into the middle and Lawrence with a fantastic header into the back of net. Great goal. Derek, I can actually say that this has been my favourite goal so far of the season. I love to see a cross coming in. I love to see wing play. I love to see excellent crosses. I love to see fantastic headers from crosses. And that had absolutely everything. Barisic, we know he can do it. Superb crosses, you say, with a lot of pace. And Lawrence, an absolute bullet header, burst in the back of the net. Fantastic goal. Yes. Just after that, we made a sub in the 62nd minute. It was Cholak and Lawrence off, Morelis and Arfield on. Controversial moment again, 66 minute Lundstrom seen a straight red card. He slid in from behind as Boyle was breaking. 
it was ultimately to prevent a break. It was a tactical foul. It was yep. a yellow card every day of the week, and the referee, in his wisdom, decides to send him off straight away. I mean, if you look back at the replay, he had two defenders and he was in his own half. Two defenders in front of him and he was also in his own half. Absolutely scandalous decision. We'll get into that in a wee minute. Yes. 68th minute, Motundo off and Davis on. And then 75th minute, it was a straight red for Morelos. It was a long kick out from the back. Morelos looking at the ball and he's seen the play, banged into the player at the back. He swung his arm out and he hit the Hibs player with his forearm Absolutely moronic, which we'll get into as well. From there, we were down to nine men. Kent came off, King came on. We were trying to shore up the back, trying to keep it. It was really just one-way traffic from that point on there. Hibs were just throwing everything at it, and they eventually got their goal. It had been coming on the 92nd minute. It had been really coming for the last 17 minutes. It was a cross-in from the left, headed out of the box by the attacker, and a great shot from 25 yards on the left-hand side and at the back of net with, again... Goldson shitting out of the bloody header as well. Where do we start, Derek? Do we start with the defending for the second goal? I mean, the second goal, it was coming. You could see that. It was backs against the wall. We tried to defend the lead way a good kind of 15, 20 minutes to go. We are down to nine players. It's damage limitation. I can't really fault the team in terms of that. I can fault, though, Goldson not really yeah. jumping. You can't really blame him fully with that. It was a great shot. But the way he turned, he turned his back to it rather than trying to meet it. He shot it. That's let, Let's be honest about that. He shot it once again. When I think back, Derek, to, to some of the players that we've seen in the past, your Richard Goffs, even guys like John Brown, guys in defence, who would you know do anything. They would throw their whole body in front of tackles and stuff like that. I just, I, th- I think to myself, come on, get a grip here, you're a defender, you're supposed to stop the ball from going towards the goal, and he actually ducked his neck, he, he moved his neck down and, and ducked away from it, it's, it's absolutely scandalous, Derek, I was so, so annoyed when I saw the replay, because as you say, it was coming, we couldn't get the ball, we couldn't get anybody to take the ball up front at all, so it was just coming back and back and back and and, you know, for, for us to lose it, it was a great shot. But, you know, just a simple get in the road of the ball. It's no, it's no good in the back of the net. Again, just really disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. But let's, let's talk about the, the elephant in the room here. Oh, God, do we have to? Now, let's not get away from that. It was a poor performance from us. Yes. Throughout the game... We didn't match the work rate of Hibs, who were on every ball chasing everything. We didn't match their physicality either, and we just weren't up for it. We were poor. But at the same time, several things were down to the referee, which ultimately cost us the game. And I don't care, because they did change the game. Yep. With 10 men, we were still in control. With 9 men, it was curtains from there. Now, the penalty to us, we got... The only people that don't think that that was a penalty were Celtic fans, Willie Collum and Hibs fans. Now, you give the referee a decision to make. Was it soft? Well, you could say that. There's no such thing really as a soft penalty or a soft fill. It's a a binary thing, yes or no. It was a fill. He he needlessly put his hands on the man. Did he go down, maybe slipped a wee bit easier? Yeah, maybe did. But at the same time, you give the referee that decision, then it was, was a penalty. 
Yep, and, and Derek, when the likes of Andy Walker tells you it's a penalty to Rangers, then you know it's a penalty to Rangers because that's yeah. ex- exactly what happens. So. Hibbs in the game as well had a penalty claim that people seem to think that, again, the same people, funnily enough, that was a penalty. For me, it wasn't a penalty because one, he was already fallen. Tavernier, yes, did have his hands on him, but it was ultimately looked as if to me because he was falling into him and Tavernier was getting held down at the same time as well. So for me... Nowhere near a penalty. No. The Lundstrom red card, game changer. It is an absolute scandalous decision. In that game alone, there was at least two Hibs players that got booked for the exact same thing. And there were even higher challenges as well on on them. In from behind, and it was a tactical foul. Nobody said anything from that about that because it was a tactical foul. People have said it's really cynical. Well, I don't really care because in the rule book... The, the degree of cynicism in your challenge isn't a punishable offence. So it was a tactical foul. You see it week in, week out. You see it in the same game several times. It's a yellow card every day of the week. There is absolutely no way he can turn around and say that that was endangering the player or it was violent conduct. I don't know what he was thinking there. It was shocking, Derek. I can't really add any more to what you've said there. You've, you, you've described it perfectly. What the referee was thinking, I have got no idea. And exactly like you, you said, that was the game changer right there. The Morelos one, not as much. That just kind of made it impossible for us. But that there was the complete game changer, in my opinion. You mentioned the Morelos one there. To be honest, Dave, I think Morelos is a fucking moron. There's no getting away from that now. He had taken that out of his game. When the team are already in 10 men, for him to do that... and. You know, granted, I've seen it being given as a yellow card offence. I've seen it time and time again, but we've also seen it given as a red card offence. Now, there's three things that are working against us in this case here. It's Morelis. His reputation goes before him. It really shouldn't, but it does. You've got the fact that arguably it's not a red card offence because it wasn't as fully forceful as it might have been. It was a forearm kind of thing. But again, I've seen them given as a yellow, I've seen them given as a red. And then the third thing is that you've got a prick of a referee in Willie Collum who is just desperate to make a name for himself. And when you give a referee like that a decision to make, he's going to make that decision as a red card all day long. It was stupidity from Morelis. Derek, you know my feelings on him, but I can't excuse what I've done, especially the position that the team were in at that stage. We needed at least 10 men on the park. We needed an out ball. He was the out ball for us. He was actually, he would probably be the perfect out ball for us to have. And then for him to do something, moment of madness like that, the slightest reason I was going to give Colum to do something like that, because as you say, it's all to be about Willie Colum. It's not to be about Rangers. It's not to be about any team. It's all, it's all about him. And, you know, the decision was, was really easy for him specifically to do that. And, basically put the team in the shit. So I can't de- defend him at all, Derek. He, he really did put, put us in the impossible position after that. Just really, really stupid and a really, really bad time in the game for it to happen as well. So, yeah, it was it was going to be to totally uphill for then on. Yeah. 
So Rangers quite rightly have appealed the Lundstrom decision because it was absolutely scandalous. It will bound to be get rescinded. Rangers have also submitted a effectively a complaint and I want a review of, of Willie Collum again. It's not the first time we've had to do this. It was seen quite clearly in the, the, the Scottish Cup final. He was about two years behind the, the game every single decision. Even pundits were saying, yeah, it's maybe time to hang, hang up his boots. Clearly he's not learned again. And they've, they've held back with the, the Morelis uh, decision just now because, you know, I don't see how you can defend it, especially when Tavernier came out and said said it was sh- stupid from him. So, yeah, it's two points dropped, but it's, you know, a long season, but we can't keep doing silly things like that. However, the next games we've got to go is we've got Wednesday the 24th of August. That's away to PSV Eindhoven. The second leg of the playoffs, that's a, a 8 o'clock kickoff. That'll be a massive, massive game. I'm going to say it right now, Dave, because I don't want, a, don't want it said that, oh, you're just, no, you're just saying that because you got put out. Yes, we all want Rangers to progress into the Champions League. That's where we belong. That's where we, I want to see us back in the elite of, of European football. Us as fans should not need to think about money and that shouldn't need to be an, a reason for wanting to qualify for it. But after 2012, we've always had to have that in the back, sometimes in the forefront of our mind. So you've got to think about the money, but at the same time, look what happened last year. The Europa League is probably more suited to us as well in terms of the the, the teams we can get. There's still massive teams we can get, obviously, but it would be great you know, to get a good European run again. It is, Derek. I just want to see us back in the Champions League again. That's, that's what I want. It's been so long. I think us being back in the, Ch- the Champions League is a statement from you know the club and the fans to say that we are back. We've been you know, to hell and back again. And I think the Champions League is the final stage. You know, we've won the league, we've won the Scottish Cup, we go back to the final of the Europa League, which was absolutely sensational. But just to get into the Champions League, Derek, is the next step for me, just to show that we are are back completely. And I'm just desperate for for us to get there. And it's not impossible, Derek, if, you know, we're going on about these defensive mistakes. If we clear up these defensive mistakes we've got a fantastic chance to do so absolutely and on the money side of it I mean we pretty much earned the same amount we would do for a Champions League performance last year in Europe but look at all the work and we had to get to the final to do that you know if we just win this game and that's all we're we're saying it's a tough tough ask obviously win the game and we don't need to do all that hard work to earn the same money um, next game after that though Saturday the 27th of August at home to Ross County in the Premiership that's a 3 o'clock kickoff, and then Tuesday the 30th of August at home to Queen of the South in the League Cup that's a 19.45 kickoff. so all important games Definitely Derek with the, the, the next one being the top one so far this season so we'll just have to wait and see what happens there here's hoping that uh, fortune f- favours us, uh, f- us in that one and uh, you know, we go out and give a, a very professional performance and manage to get through. Yes. And now we'll go into the news. So, something that was uh, announced a few weeks ago, so I'm confused why it was in the news recently, Tavernier has signed his extension. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that was announced a few weeks ago, Dave, so... Unless it was literally just putting, he agreed to sign a new deal, and he's just literally putting pen to paper now. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what what it was, Derek. I think it was just prior to the PSV game 
was it not? But very low key as well, Derek. You know, the, the club put a few tweets out about it, but very low key by him. And maybe it's just the fact that he didn't see it as, be, as being an issue, Derek. He was just always going to do it and didn't see it as being massive news. But uh, for, for us as a club, Derek, Certainly over the last three years, he's been fantastic. You know, but we, I, I think the, the thing we'll say about Tav is we will always have question marks over his defensive side. But on an attacking side, when he's on it, he's absolutely unplayable. So, you know, the, delighted that he's staying, delighted that he's, you know, done the extension for us. And, you know, here's hoping that everything goes well and he goes on to be successful again. Yep. Next thing here is Rangers have released a statement saying that RIFC has raised an injunction proceedings in the US to prevent a US entity and its principal falsely claiming it has been authorised by Rangers to sell shares in RIFC and using Rangers IP for that purpose. So can anyone confirm the whereabouts of Craig White, Charles Green and Imran Ahmad just now? <laughs> Don't you, didn't even go there. It's not even worth joking about <laughs> Yeah, so good that we're being proactive in that case because that's a pretty major thing if somebody's yeah. trying to sell shares on, uh, falsely sell shares ultimately. Yep. Next thing here, following up from what we we're talking about in the last episode, the SPFL are in talks with Sky to extend the TV deal until 2029. So obviously that happened just after we released the, the last podcast, which is why there's a wee delay here. Uh, it's, the, the current deal has got two years left to go. So why they're actually trying to tie it up already until 2029, you don't know what the TV landscape's going to be in uh, in the next kind of few years. It's apparently going to be £30 million per season and up to 60 games per season for up from up to 48. Now, keyword there, keywording there, up to. I mean, they don't even show the 48 as it is. Now, it actually works out slightly less money per game than we get just now, so it's just incredible to think that they're going to even contemplate that. They would apparently also allow clubs to broadcast up to five games each in the UK uh, as pay-per-view. As per what Hart and Hand have confirmed, and it's what I've been saying for ages, is the lesser clubs are basically happy with the, the absolute pittance and the scraps that they're getting as it's guaranteed income. Now, I can understand that to a degree, but when there is so much better you can do, maybe slightly more risky, but when you can do a lot better, it completely undervalues our game. And nobody can complain about our game being undervalued because it will never get better because Sky and any other company can always just lowball us. It all really boils down to the fact that we've got 42 teams in Scotland. It's way too much for the top. You're ultimately looking at the bottom rung there fighting for any scrap that they can get and they get a vote and they, they get a say in it to the detriment of the teams that 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 really you know could do a lot better again though that'll never change if anything it's more likely that there'll be more teams added to the top flight which beggars belief it's something that rangers and celtic really should get together with and boycott any deal if we can go our own way and see if the spfl how they would fare because really, it is the, the the old firm are the only reason why we get any sort of TV deal in the first place. And it really should be down to Rangers and Celtic to do the, do the negotiations for TV deals. I think it's quite incredible, Derek, that this has been seen as a massive development and a huge... I mean, it's the, the, the way that it's been marketed as if it's going to... You, this massive TV deal that's, you know, that's been ne- negotiated here. It's an absolute pittance, Derek. It's a joke. 
an absolute joke. And as you say, it's never ever going to get any better. Sky are just going to come in and offer slightly, slightly more money and get more more out of it. And the powers that be, you know, all, all the clubs are going to grab it straight, straight away. It's, it's, it's just an absolute joke. I mean, if we're, if the deal's to go through, now obviously the big five leagues, big five countries get the TV deals in the billions and high hundreds of millions. But here's a list of the, the top flight leagues, so the premiership divisions of, of the leagues, of the countries that get more money than what we would do. The Belgian, the Dutch, the Norwegian, the Greek, the Polish, the Swedish and the Danish leagues would all get more than we would. Unbelievable. Now, you could argue a couple of the teams are, you know, big. You know, you obviously got your Ajax, Feyenoord, PSV in, in the, the Dutch league. Right, fair enough. But who else? You know, you, you can't say that there's going to be any bigger, many bigger teams, especially at the Swedish league. The Dan- I mean, for God's sake. And they, they're getting significantly amount more as yep. well. Yep. So it's not just a, a tiny amount, significant. So in their wisdom as well, Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, Dundee United and Dundee had a report commissioned to look at ways to grow the game. And then they realised we actually need to bring in the big boys to the table and realise that the old firm are ultimately the reason why there's money in the Scottish game at all. Now, ultimately the reports came out and said that they reckon we could target about £50 million per season into the SPFL. They don't really say how exactly. I mean, it's an incredibly, incredibly low bar for a start. £50 million per season. Yep. That's absolutely pittance. Yep. The aforementioned TV deal would account for about £30 million for that. So they ultimately have to come up with another £20 million per season. Not insurmountable. But as as far as I'm aware, the Cinch deal pays only around £1.6 million per season. Now, after nearly two years with no title sponsor having to pay a consultancy firm £500,000, and that is the best deal they can come up with. £1.6 million sponsorship a year. They clearly signed that in desperation, especially given the fact that they colossally fucked up with all the issues they had with us. £50 million is nothing in today's game, but the way we're being run is absolutely disgraceful. It should be a £100 million looking for, and it's all about sponsorship and base it around the old firm. Cut the amount of teams, expand the league, summer football. There you go. There I've just round out five different things that they could do, which the report doesn't even look into, apparently. Derek, how, how long have we been talking about stuff like this before? We are undervalued. The powers that be in Scottish football are undervaluing our league as well. They're just going to grab the first deal that's out there. It, anything at all, it's, as you say, it's, it's just an absolute pittance. Something needs to be done. We need f- fresh ideas in there. I mean, there's been so many people in the past that have c- came in, successful you know, b- businessmen that have grown actual sports as well as teams have came in and says, I could have some fantastic ideas for Scottish football, but the powers that be, the old heads in there will never allow this to happen as long as they, they, they're they in charge. There needs to be a complete overhaul. We've been saying it for a long time, and this is just a joke. And the way that it's been portrayed in, in the media has been this incredible deal. It's just laughable. I mean, here's my next story here kind of follows on from this, and that shows you how tinpot the, the league is and some of these clubs are, is... St Byrne today it's came out have launched what can only really be described as gear your money scheme. 
as they're asking it's for a £30 voluntary contribution to the club, which will get you literally nothing back. It's basically a donation of £30 to the club. On the, 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 the actual ticket thing where you buy it or you purchase it, it states, as a result of the decision to retain all three stands for home fans this season, we are launching our incentive for a one-off voluntary contribution of £30 to supplement the loss of income. The survey intimated that fans were willing to support this initiative so we invite you to contribute to this scheme. So basically it's on the back of they're not giving Rangers or Celtic three stands, which we've said before, if they can fill them out, fill your boots. That's their right. They should be doing it. I fully support them doing it. But quite clearly, they are not able to fill all their stadium, but they don't want old firm fans in as well. So they've basically been going on the back of, oh right, the chairman have listened to what fans have said again and they've completely shot themselves in the foot. They don't like the money. Where have we heard, oh, we'll listen to the fans and the fans will contribute? Was it sell-out Saturdays, do you think, Dave? <laughs> which, which obviously turned out to be you know, completely wonderful, that, and didn't it, Dave? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a joke, Derek. I mean, that is basically St Mirren. They know that they cannot turn round against their so-called hardcore supporters and back down on this whole thing that uh, we're not, we're not going to give the stands away to, to the old firm so that we can fill the stadium and make make them an absolute packet. So this is what, what they're going to do. It will be interesting to hear how many fans actually pay this additional £30, Derek, because at the end of the day, if they could actually fill their stands like they're supposed to, the club wouldn't have to ask for the money, but they are. It's actually quite embarrassing, I think. I mean, they've even got a thing about, you know, donate a, a ticket for the game to someone else. So basically buy a ticket for somebody. That, that's literally what, what they've got. Exactly. It's oh. embarrassing. Yeah, Not really finished with TV deals though as it's been reported that UEFA have struck a six year deal with a US broadcaster for the Europa, the Champions League and the the Conference League worth a total of £1.2 billion. billion. Yep. So it's apparently going to work out at about £250 million per season which you don't think is a lot but when the current UEFA deal is £68 million. You know, it starts apparently in the 24-25 season, so a bit yet to go. However, it'll have massive implications for finances. Ultimately, though, all that it's going to do is make the rich teams richer and the gap's going to get both bigger European-wide and domestically. So, yeah, the likes of Man City will get more money, us and Celtic will get more money, but the gap will still be there because Man City are making even more money on the top of that. So, yeah, it's great, but domestically it's going to completely destroy the game I think again yep totally last couple of things here is that the bill to clean up Glasgow after Celtic's title party was £8,000 however Glasgow City Council have said due to an error it did not include the cost to repair the listed building that that Celtic Mm -hmm. fans damaged so revised costing will be published in due course now it's very strange that we're now hearing about this three months on from the, the event and we're just hearing about the costs, which are obviously clearly wrong, considering that they published the cost for our cleanup when we had a title party <laughs> within two weeks of it happening. <laughs> and also also very strange that our costs were £58,000 for a very similar litter cleanup and to replace a few broken benches. Yes, rather than, again, similar-sized crowd and a listed building being damaged, Derek, 
quite incredible, as you say. Glasgow City Council, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest, and I will wait to find out if they do actually publish the full and correct amount and when it actually happens. If, if, if they do, Derek, it will be done very, very un- understated. But as you say, it's just uh, reeks of d- double standards, doesn't it? It'll be interesting to see if any pubs uh, offer, or anybody offer from the Celtic point of view, offers the money like the Loudon did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the last piece of football news here is after a shaky start to the season, Aston Villa fans are calling for Gerrard to leave already. So, obviously, he lost Michael Beal to QPR, who is going through his own tough time, obviously under different circumstances just now. But it makes you wonder if it was, as as many suspected, that Michael Beal was the, the brains behind our success. Well, Derek, there was a lot, lot said. I think maybe Gerard being the figurehead there, with Bill being the, the the brains behind it. I, I don't know, but time will tell. I have a, a, a sneaky suspicion that that the Bill could, could be back with us one day in some shape or form because you can see how attached he was to the club. He, he made no secret to that, even even though he, he went down to Villa. But yeah, very interesting to see how Villa's uh, fortunes have changed since Bills went. So. Well, uh, I'll, I'll watch that one with interest. Yep. So, bloke gets two kilogram dumbbell stuck up his bum and medics <laughs> have to remove it with their hands. Derek, there's a common theme with these stories here. Doctors were shocked to find an eight-inch dumbbell lodged, lodged in a male patient's rectum after he arrived at A&E complaining of cramps and severe oh. constipation. Medics found him uncooperative while he was being examined, so decided to x-ray his abdomen. He found an object that was later revealed to be a two-kilogram dumbbell lodged firmly in the 54-year-old man's rectum. When medics in the hospital and in Manus, Brazil, were unable to coax the object out using tweezers, Christ, tweezers, they resorted to a more brutal method and opted for a manual extraction. <laughs> This, according to a grim report in the International Journal of Surgery Case Reports, written by Dr. Anna Elisa de la Morales Textera Grossi, that's some name, and her team, involved a surgeon inserting their hand up to the forearm to get a grip on the item. She wrote, despite the location of the objects being considered high, manual extraction was chosen, inserting the surgeon's forearm with some difficulty without post-extraction complications. The surgical team's report notes, retained rectal objects represent a rare complaint in the emergency room, affecting mainly males between 20 and 40 years, with most objects of a sexual nature, but examiner must be aware of objects of an unusual nature. Now, Derek... What kind of exercises at the gym do you think that he's been doing? I've no idea, but (laughs) it did say that while the object was removed successfully with no lasting complications expected, the authors of the report said inserting objects in the anus can potentially result in internal injuries and faecal incontinence. Really? As well, as well as a doctor having to put his fist right up your backside to his elbow. <laughs> oh dear. It's quite a, a different uh, kind of forearm smash that, isn't it? 
<laughs> oh my god. And on that note, yes, we will end the podcast. So as ever, you can get all our check out all our stuff on our website, which is iReadyPodcast.wordpress.com. It's not updated again since we've started this new season, but you can go to all our usual podcast outlets as well as Twitter and Facebook. So, Dave, big week to coming up. I need to bounce yeah. back after that Hibs game. We'll need to see what, what happens. Big game on Wednesday. Can't wait for it. We thrive under these conditions. We just need to go out and do the do the job. Derek, if we cut out the defensive mistakes, I am very confident that we can go through. But that's that's the, the that's that's the issue that we have at the moment. Far too many defensive mistakes are of our own doing. If we can cut that out, we've got a great chance. So here's hoping that's what happens and we get through. It could be a historic night, as you say, looking forward to it and fingers crossed it goes well. Yes. So all that's left to say is thanks for listening and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. And the stadium erupts in red, white and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Cool.